My name is Grace, and thanks for tuning in to the GT Young Adults Podcast. We're a community, a part of GT Church in Victoria, BC. We love Jesus and have a passion to learn and live like Him and have a ton of fun doing it. All of the messages and conversations you find here will point you to His truth and His hope, so lean into whatever God wants to speak to you today. Enjoy what you're about to hear, and thanks for listening. My name is Lucas, I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and we're starting a new series tonight called The Christian Walk. The heart behind it would be to, to really just unpack, um, I think, one of my favorite books. I really love the book of Ephesians. The reason why uh, we specifically are kind of looking at this book and The Christian Walk is because the book of Ephesians is written really well. Um, Although there's some debate on if it's Paul or not, if it, Paul used someone else to write it, but it's his thoughts, like, we most likely agree that it's all Paul. And in that moment, it, there's, like, the first three chapters, he just breaks down salvation just so beautifully. And in the next three chapters, he really calls upon us to live it out, to walk it out. And he uses this word walk like seven times, uh, specifically. And it's not just to walk, like to walk it out, to walk it out. Like it's not, it's not just, someone knew that, someone, a couple people knew that song, that's what I'm talking about. Um, to really, it's like a manner of life. It's like this way that's inside us. It's this Matter of life which you carry yourself in your sphere of influence. And so we just felt like coming into summer, there'd be something really important just to like, to really just, I think, get in our Bibles and mark it up and to roll through this, this book. Because when we do books like Mark or Matthew, when we tackle an entire gospel, it's hard to get into every nitty gritty. And so here, we get to really break things down a lot more. At the same time, I gotta say, this is like, we're starting in kind of a funny spot. Because Jack, like Jackson said, it is Pentecost Sunday, and for us that, that means something. For all Christians, I think it should mean something, not just because we're a Pentecostal church. But I really feel like we, we're starting in kind of an interesting place because if we were to break down the Christian walk from like start to finish, you'd probably start somewhere like, uh, maybe you'd go Genesis, or maybe you'd start with baby Jesus in a manger, or you'd kind of walk through these different places. But for us, like we live in a time, it makes sense to start where we are, and we live in a time where Jesus has come, died, rose again, gone to heaven, and now the Holy Spirit is really what guides us and directs us. And so I think it's important that we take like a moment here and really just recognize we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit tonight, which I know freaks a lot of you out. Okay, I don't know why, it does for some of you, and it's okay. I understand that maybe we haven't like broken this down really well, especially some of you young adults are like, I don't know what that really means. What is that, like, what do you really say? What do you mean? Because maybe what I'm thinking means something different than what you're saying. Right? It's always this, like, there's this connotation that comes when someone says the Holy Spirit. We sang a song tonight, and the word the Holy Ghost was in it. I knew some of you saw that, and were like, whoa, I didn't know it was this kind of church. You know, and I just want to, you can, it's okay. I know some of you thought it. It's true. Don't lie to yourself. It happened. You're like, mm, like, it just happened. But then you realize, like, oh, yeah, it's normal. It's okay. And so I just want to, like, recognize that. I want to say that from the front, and I want you to just, everyone, just take a deep breath with me. One, two, three. Ah, it's Okay. See, it's all good. We can talk about the Holy Spirit, and it's all good. Um, I think we have fallen in love with, or maybe that's not the right. Maybe that's not the right way of saying it. We've we believe that our faith is being lived out in fullness 
when we just talk a lot about Jesus. And I think maybe we are in a slight danger, if I can say that, where we don't refer to and talk about and reference and embrace the beauty of the Holy Spirit and all that he is. And I think for many of us, we, we would like to just go on our Christian lives believing that there is literally a mini, like, bobblehead Jesus just sitting in our hearts, you know? Like, that's when I ever talk to Georgia, and she's like, Jesus is in my heart. I'm like, well, no, Georgia, your theology is terrible. No, that's terrible. That's not correct. She's like, yeah, he lives right here. Or she'll, like, point way over here. I'm like, no, that's like your kidney or something. What do you even, you know? And so I, I think we, we got to have this idea. And I just, again... I'm not, not to say that it's like the intention is wrong, but I think we just, there's some understanding that we haven't fully embraced and unpacked. It's like, it's like when you watch a show, but you've only seen a few episodes and you haven't seen the whole thing. You haven't seen the whole story arc. I know this is hard to believe for some of you, but back in my day, I was so scared of saying that. Back in my day, we didn't have enough. I actually, I miss going to Blockbuster. Anyone else? I miss it. Friday night, let's go. So fun. I like, I lived in a time where my parents, we would go and rent the VCR and the movie. Let's go, somebody. Like, that was, I know, you're like, how did you live? Like, I get it. Like, I didn't have Crave on my phone. Like, that was the time that we lived in, you know? And, and I, I would come home after school. This is one of my favorite things to do. You come home after school, high school, what do you do? What's the first thing you do? Throw the bag in a stupid spot and your mom or dad's gonna be so mad. Then what do you do? You get a snack, right? That's the first thing you do. You don't do your homework. Pfft, lame. You go get a snack, maybe even a snack pack or some gushers or something good, you know what I mean? Like something real good. And you go and you get that snack and you hit the couch and you watch TV, although you know you have no time for it, right? You gotta get to something, maybe it's soccer or whatever, but you, you, you still watch TV. And I used to love, you turn on channel 33 Superstation. Anyone else know what I'm talking about? Am I the only human? And it was awesome. It was like just, it was just sitcoms. It was just like, everybody loves Raymond, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, like, Seinfeld and King of Queens. Like those four shows in a row. Oh, Gen Z's, you're so annoying. Does no one know what I'm talking about? No, th three hands? Oh my goodness, it was the best. And you come home and you watch these shows. I know now they're on Netflix, but I would just watch, like I would just watch The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know that he was from Philly or whatever. I just watching Uncle Phil getting mad at this guy and I thought it was fun, but I'd never seen the whole thing. And now I actually can see the whole thing. By the way, the ending's kind of lame. They all go to the East and he stays in LA. What the heck? Where's the development there? I don't like that. But you know what I'm saying? Like you see one or two episodes and you just enjoy it, but you don't really see the whole thing. You don't like, you don't like watch The Office from season one, episode one, every single time you put on The Office, whatever it is, right? There is like a, a weird understanding we have sometimes of the Trinitarian God that we serve. And I think we really, really love Jesus because he loved people and God's okay because he's Father God, but then there's the Holy Spirit and he's like the weird uncle that no one wants to talk to. I'm serious, like this is kind of what happens. It's like this weird thing. And then we do a poor job talking about the Holy Spirit. We'll like, we'll like relate him to like a fruit and it's like, see the fruit, there's like the skin and the core and the meat and, and the Holy Spirit's like the core. Everyone throws the core away. Like no one eats that part. Have you ever seen a pat, like you know what I'm saying? And so I'm really just trying to like, I think put some more emphasis back on the Holy Spirit and understand that we live in a time where it's the Holy Spirit guiding you. It's the Holy Spirit convicting you. It's the Holy Spirit who's giving you a word in the middle of worship. It's the Holy Spirit telling you to go pray for that person because they look very lonely and they look like they need someone to 
care for them. It's the Holy Spirit prompting you at work to take an extra moment with that, that student or that patient or whatever it is. It's the Holy Spirit who even now today urged you to get up and go to church and not just sit back and watch King of Queens or no one watches King of Queens anymore, whatever I do. I love that show, it's so funny. Anyways, you get what I'm saying? It's the Holy Spirit. So here's, here's my plan tonight. Here's my hope. Um, I gave Drika so many notes and so many things. Like I have, I have like two sermons. It's just, there's so much, but I don't want to like take forever and do like the unpacking of it all. So I'm going to kind of paraphrase a bunch of stuff. Okay. We're going to read a bit of Ephesians because we're in, in the, the book of Ephesians and we're going to start kind of where Paul starts in Ephesians one. Although we're starting a little bit further in a faith, we could break down salvation. We could break down what it means to walk with Jesus, but we're going to start with what it means to have the Holy Spirit. So this is, let's do this. Let's go to Ephesians one. If you have a Bible, go to Ephesians one. And we're going to start in verse 13. Because again, my heart tonight, you guys, please hear this. My heart is there would be such a natural understanding, a precious, like, holding in your heart, a grateful heart would leave here that the Holy Spirit is with you, guiding you, and empowering you. So Ephesians 1, verse 13, should pop up on the screens. It says this. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth. We talked about that last week, right? heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, someone say believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are in God's possession to the praise of his glory. What is he saying here? He's saying at salvation, when, when, when you say yes to Jesus, no to everything else, when you recognize there is sin in you, but there's a savior and that saving grace is greater than any sin in any of us at any point in time, when you turn to him, it wasn't like, again, like some weird Marvel multiverse Jesus. It, like it wasn't like that. That's not what happened. The Holy Spirit came into you literally and saying there was a seal. I love this, this, this terminology. There was a seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. And we are like marked by Jesus. Yes, of course. But that seal, that inheritance, that, that inflowing is the Holy Spirit. And again, I think we need to recognize that the Holy Spirit plays a part in our salvation. Now moving on, verse 15, and this is where we'll break it down a bit more. It says this. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks and remembering you for my prayers. Gosh, I'm going to do a little side note here. Quick side note. The reason why I think I love Ephesians so much is because there's so much love and affinity for the church, for the body of Christ. And I just want to encourage you as you read this book to look at how Paul uplifts, encourages every believer, the body of Christ. Uh, this is where we see how you, to love Jesus and to, to love the church goes hand in hand. It's really important. So I just want to, like, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Like, I may not be with you, but I certainly love you. I certainly see you. I keep asking, this is verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, so here's, here's what's so good. Okay, ready? What did he say? He's, he's literally breaking down that we serve a Trinitarian God, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They coexist, co-eternal, co-substantial. Here we go. I keep asking God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father may give you the Spirit, capital S, not lowercase, of wisdom and revelation that you may know him better. 
that you would have the Holy Spirit helping you understand and know him better. If we want to know God better, we have to know and recognize the Spirit's voice. Verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance, which he's already kind of mentioned, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. The same power that raised Christ from the dead. Like this is, there's a lot here. Like theologians and people that unpack this stuff like verse by verse. And again, we don't have enough time, but here's what I'm reading. Here's what I'm seeing. Paul prays to this church right now to, that the Holy Spirit would grant wisdom and revelation that believers would know him better. That's you, that's me, that's the heart, that's the hope. That the eyes of your heart, which is just your soul, the spirit in you, right, may know him better. And that you may know, this is so good, these three thoughts. The hope to which he has called you. The inheritance before you, with you, right now. The surpassing power that's empowering you. That's what he mentioned. He mentioned hope that he's called you towards, an inheritance that you have, and like an empowerment, a power, a surpassing power for you. And so I wanna break these down and I wanna go like Old Testament, New Testament all the way in. I'm like so excited. If you're a Bible nerd, you're just like, let's go, Pastor Lou, right now. I love it. We're starting in Genesis 1. If you're like, I just came here for the laughs. I'm, I'm sorry, I don't know what to tell you. There's just too much. There's too much to talk about. I would not do it justice, but I promise to, to follow along, you're, you're, it's, it's gonna bless you tonight, okay? So firstly, this hope to which he has called us. In Genesis 1, the Bible says that the earth was without form and void. You guys have heard this, I'm sure. This is Genesis 1, verse 2. And darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God, I love this, the ruach, the Hebrew word, the wind, the spirit, the breath, was hovering over the waters. Later in Genesis, again, I'm gonna go fast because we can, and so don't, uh, like we're gonna jump all over the place, but I promise we're gonna connect the dots. Then the Lord, this is uh, two verse seven, when he created you, when he created me, man and woman, he said that the, the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the ruach, again, the breath of life, the spirit of God set life into motion for you and me. Now, why do I show you this? Why is this important? Because again, I believe that on the most basic of levels, he has called you, he has called me, the Holy Spirit, again, as a Christian, in you, in me, to what? To set life into motion in the world. Like, we live in a world, I believe, is, is really, like, asleep and fallen short of a lot of stuff. And just like in the beginning, God literally breathed life into, like the spirit into man and woman to create life, to, to show it, to put it into motion. He's now calling believers who have the Holy Spirit to bring life into motion wherever we go. This is the hope to which he has called us. This is what he's asking from you and from me. We have done such a poor job of talking about calling. We're always wanting to break it down into career. We always do this in, in circle, church circles and I think we need to be more cautious on this. Like you are gifted and called to what? Of course, to, to show the light of Jesus, it starts there. You could do that in a lot of different ways, especially if you're multi-gifted. Like, if you have a ton of gifts, that could look a hundred different ways. And so my thing to you is like, yeah, if you have this gift, use it, of course. But mostly what he's saying is, the hope I'm calling you to is to set life into motion, to breathe life where life, don't go over to someone 
all over their face, but like put life into motion where there is death, bring life. Like let the spirit of God move in you in such a way that you would creatively put life into motion. Are you following what I'm trying to say? This is the hope to which he has called us. We see it in Genesis. We see it from the very start. The spirit of God set life into motion in us so that we could put life into motion in others. Before Jesus was on earth, the spirit was in motion. Before Jesus, the, the Ruach gave life, creative, beautiful life. Friends, we have to help those who are stagnant. This is, this is so important when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Secondly, the inheritance before you, he mentioned, right? He mentions this. It's actually interesting, again, a bit of a side note. Paul uses a lot of like financial terminology in the book of Ephesians, especially in this first chapter. At this point in time, at, in, in Asia, like Asia Minor it's called, but in Asia, there's lots of money and, and the Romans and the emperor, like they're just, they're holding it all. They're hoarding it all. Land's being taken. He took a minimum 10% on everything. But then what would happen is his role, like the different Romans, the different like, uh, like hierarchy, they would like go in and just take stuff all the time. And so if you were a Jew at this time, or Gentile specifically, if you weren't a Roman, basically, money was hard to come by, land was hard to come by. This was a difficult moment, a difficult time. And people were just like constantly moving around, taking up political space, taking up positions they never rightfully deserved or even earned. They would just be like, you know what, because of who I am, I am now the Duke of Edinburgh, and we now will charge another 8% because it's Tuesday. Tuesday, 8%. We'll call it Tuesday, Taco Tuesday. No, it's Tax Tuesday. Like whatever it was, they just started plowing through and taking and taking and taking. And so Paul is making a, a, an important point here. He's saying, there is no possession. There is no thing. There is no land. And especially for them, inheritance meant so much money. It meant, it meant places. It meant people. It meant so much more in their culture. He's like, there is no possession that matches that gift of like the Holy Spirit. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. He's saying there's no amount of money. There's no amount of inheritance. Uh, let me go back and read that, like the whole first thing again. Not the whole first thing, but you know what I'm saying. He says this, a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. That was verse 14, right? Um, he says in verse 18, I pray that the eyes of the heart may be enlightened, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Like he's making reference to financial terminology for this reason, that there is an inheritance for you. And Paul, again, he's saying like, we always look, it's funny, we always look at the Holy Spirit as a person, right? And I get that, it's important, he is. I kind of feel like Paul is helping us see it both ways. He's saying, do you look as, at the Holy Spirit as a possession or a person? And I think we would want to jump out of our seats right now and be like, person, he's a person. And I think Paul's saying, it's both. I think Paul's saying, yeah, absolutely, it's a person. But this gift, this is something that not only is like, it's, like, it's a possession that you get to have. It's a gift in your heart. Yes, it, of course, it's a person, but he's saying both and. You understand what I'm saying? He's trying to help you see. He's trying to help me see. He's trying to help them see. That as long as we look at our inheritance of the things we have, we're going to miss out on the inheritance before us, the Holy Spirit. Finally, it says a surpassing power, empowering you, right? This is really key. On one occasion, this is, um, we're going to go to Acts now. Jump over to Acts. <clears throat> this is in Acts verse 8, oh, excuse me, chapter 1, verse, we're going to go to verse 8. I'm going to go up to verse 4. 
The Bible says this, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he being Jesus, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem. By the way, sorry guys, this is like Jesus has died, he's rose again, he's now appeared to his disciples. He's saying this, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John, excuse me, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you going at this time to restore the kingdom of Israel? They're talking about something far in the future. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times and dates the Father has set by his own authority. But here's verse eight. We've heard this before, I'm sure. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So this part usually freaks us out a little bit. It does. Because we like, we like the Holy Spirit stuff that we were already reading. We like the Ruach, the creative motion. We like Isaiah eleven twelve, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, right? That's what Isaiah talked about when he talked about the spirit. But when it comes to this stuff, as soon as we get into Acts, things feel a little bit, I'm not so sure. What is he really meaning here? There's a great theologian, Craig Keener, who wrote this, and I think it's really, really important as I'm gonna read to you Acts 2, which again, I know I'm like setting all up. I said, don't freak out, and I'm gonna read Acts 2 at the very end. He says, what greater sign, what greater gift could, could God, could Jesus give his disciples at this time than prophetic speech to empower them to cross all boundaries, to empower his church, to enable all people to worship him in all languages? What way, what greater way to show his greater purpose than this? And so keep that in mind. Okay, keep that in mind as I read the next uh, bunch, of, bunch of verses. I don't even know if we have these, and that's, that's on no one's fault but me, you guys. So when the day of Pentecost came, this is Acts 2, starting in verse 2, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a loud, excuse me, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Again, we don't always love this. It kind of concerns us. We don't understand something, therefore we don't often like dive a little bit deeper, but we have to dive a little bit deeper. We read that, we get nervous, we walk away. Remember what that, I just read about that, 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 that commentary. He gave a precious gift here to his disciples for the love of the, of the earth, for, for the greater purpose of all people. Verse five, we have to keep going because there's greater context here. They were staying in Jerusalem. Excuse me, now they, they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. If you have your Bible, that's what you should underline in your Bible. Tongues of fire, cool, start it up. Yes, fire emoji. But this is really key. Now, in Jerusalem, there were God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one of them heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, verse seven, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of them knows our native language? And then it goes on to list, Parthians, Medes, the, the residents of Mesopotamia, Pontus in Asia, like they continue to go on Libya and Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts, everyone, Arabs and, and Cretans, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Verse 12, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? 
And then Paul or Peter comes up and preaches a sermon. Robbie, can you come join me, buddy? We're gonna we're gonna close here, and I, I, but I need you to understand something, and this is so key. This is so key. I tried to give you some Old Testament understanding that that the Spirit has been been here long before just Acts two. I'm trying to help you see that although what we see in like Isaiah 11 and, and John 16 and John 14, where we hear about the advocate who is coming and the counselor, yes, those are beautiful things. And, and God does reference the spirit in that way. But this isn't a text of fear. This is a text that should honestly encourage your faith that God loves everyone. Because here's the thing. The day of Pentecost is not about tongues. And anyone who has said that has missed the point. The day of Pentecost, please hear me, because I feel like this is where, I truly feel like this is where some young adults and even youth have like, nah, I'm out. The day of Pentecost is not about speaking in tongues. That's not what this was about. That is a very, very small, tiny little spot, little moment, little like context that we would miss the whole thing. The day of Pentecost is about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit so that there would be an empowering of the Holy Spirit in us. In the Old Testament, we had God over us. We've heard this before. In the New Testament, we had Jesus, right? Emmanuel, God with us. And now we have God in us. This is how we set it up. How could could Jesus be so personal if he can only be personal one-on-one? See, this is a good thing. He says this in John chapter, I believe it's 16, verse seven. Jesus literally says to his disciples who are so ticked off at him that he's leaving. He literally says, it's for your advantage that I go. Because right now I can only be here with you, but soon the spirit will come and it can be with everyone. Can you imagine being so far from your homeland? You've come for the feast, for a feast. You've come for a pilgrimage. You've come like you're from, yeah, places like Crete. You've come from places like the Elamites. You've come from places like Judea, whatever it is. You've come from different places. You're maybe alone. You're far from your homeland and you begin to hear your native tongue. You begin to hear something that makes sense. You begin to hear something that, that feels so like, like home. and every person here that God was for them. Because before that, God, this, this, is a, this is a Jewish God. This is a different kind. I don't know what this is for, who this is for. And right now we're seeing a break of that. We're seeing that for God so loved the world that he came, that God was for all people, all, all men, all women, all, all nations, every single person would understand and see the beauty of the gospel, that they would hear the gospel in their own native tongue. Are you understanding this? This is, this is the breaking of something that felt like tradition into something that was more personal and loving. It's not about tongues. This is the gift that God used, absolutely, right here. This is how the Holy Spirit manifested itself so that the gospel could be seen and known by every single person around. If it needed to be healing, it would have been, but this is what God planted. This is what God planned for this moment. The Holy Spirit is meant to be poured out upon each and every one of us because all of us have a different place to go to spread the gospel. That's the point. It's that your mission field, my mission field look different. That where we're supposed to go tomorrow, wherever that is, looks different. And so the gifts and the outpouring may look different for you. But the point is that the Spirit comes to show that, to show love, to show the grace, to show the mercy. So what does that mean for us right now as we close? 
Here's my final thought for you. You get it. I know you've heard this before. I love that the Holy Spirit comes in a time of loneliness and scandal. Like, again, Jesus is gone. Can you imagine your best friend, your teacher, your rabbi, you've been with every day for three years. Imagine that. And now he's saying, it's good that I go. And this is when the Holy Spirit comes. In their lonely moment, when they're scared and uncertain, when they don't trust their, their own gifts, their own strengths, Jesus has left. And this is when the Holy Spirit comes. When everything feels a little bit odd and unsure, spirit of life wants to come alongside of you to empower and release the deposit inside of you with power in hope towards the hope he has called you. Are you hearing me tonight, Six? The Holy Spirit wants to come alongside of you to empower and release that deposit inside of you with power towards the hope he has called you. And so I want Robbie to sing that song we're singing. The, it's called Deeper Water. And there was just a few pieces in there that just spoke to me because I, I'm certain many of us may be going through something right now. I'm certain that some of us may feel a little lost and maybe hurting and broken. These disciples sure felt that. Again, remember, they went from one of the 12, like, lying and going behind Jesus' back and selling him out, to seeing their best friend on the cross. Now he's finally come back only to leave. So they, they're in over their head. They don't know what to do. They don't know where to go. They're feeling broken. They're feeling hurting. They're, they're, they're feeling alone. And then that's when the Holy Spirit comes. John 14. And I will ask the Father and he will give you an advocate to help you to be with you forever. The spirit of truth, that's John 14, 16. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but, but you will see me. You will see me. Because I live, you also will live. Friends, we gotta lean into the Holy Spirit. You gotta start referring to him more. You gotta start using him in your language. You just gotta talking about him. You gotta start talking to him. You start, when you pray, you don't say, dear baby Jesus. You need to say, Holy Spirit, come. You need to say, Spirit, I need you now. Spirit, give me, give me wisdom and revelation. Holy Spirit, call me, lead me into places I feel fearful in, that I know if you guide me, I'll go. That's what we need to be praying. That's how we need to be calling out. That's what we need to be saying because there is a deposit inside of you. There is an outpouring for you and it may manifest itself in tongues. It may manifest itself in healing. It may manifest itself in prophetic words. Let the spirit guide you. Let it manifest how it's gonna manifest for the time and the specific nature that he has, the plan on your life. But first and foremost, understand if you're feeling lonely, if you're feeling tired, feeling like, Holy Spirit, I don't even have this Jesus thing figured out. Friends, it came in the hardest moment the disciples had ever face, that's when the Holy Spirit fell. That's when he did his best empowering. That's when he moved in such a way that every nation under heaven heard the good news of the gospel. Man, 
So it doesn't matter where you're at. The Holy Spirit sees you. The Holy Spirit wants to move. The Holy Spirit wants to speak into every person, every nation, every background, male and female, young and old. He doesn't discriminate. He just comes and he speaks and he empowers. Would you stand to your feet? And Robbie's gonna play this song. And I, don't, I asked him before this. He was gonna do something else. So again, I just felt this song just spoke and, and it moved. And it's, again, it's called Deeper Water. We just played it for the first night tonight. And I wonder if lights can come a bit down. We can just have a moment where you call upon the Holy Spirit. Listen to the words being sung. No matter what you're sensing or feeling right now in this moment, would you lean in and ask, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Holy Spirit, I need you. I need your power to fill me. Holy Spirit, I know there's an inheritance that I've been neglecting, but tonight I come asking, would you, in a way that only you can, give me a word? Are you, are you in a tough relationship right now with somebody? Ask for guidance. Like, you know, okay, I'll really end with this. Every night, every night I'm holding LJ, I always pray over him. I always pray that he would, he would know the voice of the Holy Spirit from a young age. I do usually over all my kids, and then I specifically ask God that he would follow that he would follow Jesus his whole life. And even when he doesn't, even when he doesn't, that the Holy Spirit would call out to him. And he would be like a lamp unto his feet. And that's always the heart. It's like, God, even when I know my son's gonna make a mistake, even though I know he's four months old right now and he's perfect. I know that's not always the case. And I know he's gonna break some rules. He's gonna, he's gonna break some windows, right? Maybe break a heart or two. I hope not in Jesus' name. And he's gonna come and he's gonna come to me and he's gonna really mess up. And I just pray that he'd know the voice of the Holy Spirit. That he'd really hear the voice and it'd be like, no, Levi, I'm here. And he wouldn't have to come running me for forgiveness because he would first run to Jesus. Because honestly, I can only give him so much. And that's my heart for you, right? That was the heart at the start of this message, that there would be an understanding of what the Holy Spirit could do for you. So God, tonight, no, Holy Spirit, tonight, we come running to you. God, we run from any fear of bad teaching and theology we've ever had on this topic, this idea, this who you are, God, where we have thought that if we didn't speak in tongues, we didn't know the Holy Spirit, where we thought that if we didn't understand the, the, out, the beautiful outpouring, then, then who were we? We weren't a great Christian. God, tonight we understand that there is an outpouring for every person here. God, there is absolutely, uh, you wanna fill every person here with your Holy Spirit. I pray that you would. For that person who, who does not know you at all, I pray that they would say yes to you, Jesus. They'd say yes to truth. They'd say yes to your love that we've talked about, we've, we've sung about tonight. And they would embrace and sense you moving in their heart, Holy Spirit. God, I pray for words of wisdom for that person in here who needs to make a decision very soon on something that is stressing them out. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would give them knowledge and wisdom and guidance and discernment in, in, in your beautiful name. For that person who is looking for, for honestly, the courage and the boldness to, to spread your love more and more wherever they are. I pray you would give them that, Lord. You'd give them that, Holy Spirit, a boldness, a courage, a bravery they did not know possible. God, I do pray for surpassing power to come over this room in a beautiful way, that there would be a great, um, a great sense that you're moving in every heart. We love you, we worship you.
It's in your name we pray.